scene just now man we about to and we about to record after something crazy just happened whatever happened to case man catalog but yeah he definitely had a couple jams but that right that jam right there is is definitely a classic certified classic but uh there man listen 
I'm not going to start with uh, with Snowfall because I just finished watching Snowfall and I'm upset about what just happened. But we're going to get into some sports right now. But man, there, there's definitely going to be a Snowfall recap towards the end of this episode. That That's for sure. Like, after what I just seen, oh, I'm hot, man. I'm hot. I'm angry right now. <clears throat> I'm angry right now from what I just seen, man. Um, but yeah, we're going we gonna to get into some NBA action. Um, Golden State got a tough win on the road against the Dallas Mavericks. 127-125. Curry with 20 points. Um, Jonathan Kaminga, 22 points. And listen, man. I mean that's a tough win on the road for for Golden State. I thought they was gonna go one and seven in their last eight road games. So they've won two road games in a row right now, which for them is impressive. That, that's impressive. Now, I will say this. I mean, Luca thirty point seventeen assists, um, no Kyrie. So I I will say that they did they did kind of have the the fortune of not having to play against Kyrie, and. As I look at this Mavericks team with Kyrie, I feel like they are going to be a tough out in the playoffs. I may be tripping. I don't know. But I can see the Mavericks going to the Western Conference Finals, man. And I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe it's just me. But I mean, that was a fully loaded Warriors team. And Dallas. I mean, granted, Dallas was at home, and then the Warriors did beat them. But, I mean, you got to figure Kyrie's going to give you at least 20 points, at least. And they lost by two. So, I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like Dallas, man, I mean, I, I just feel like, I mean, listen, Jaden Hardy gave them 27 points, which, which kind of maybe replaced Kyrie. But if you can get Hardy with, with maybe 15 points, 10 points, Kyrie with his usual 20 to 25 points, I feel like Dallas is going to be a tough out, man. Christian Wood, 19 points, four rebounds, four assists. I mean, you know, and you know what, man? I'm going to just go ahead and say it, man. I'm going to just go ahead and say it. And and I don't want to, but, but I am, man. But I got, I got... I got the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, man, I'm I'm jumping out here, man. I'm jumping out here, man. I'm ju- I'm gonna go ahead and jump on out there, man. I got the Mavericks in the Western Conference Finals. With a strong chance to go to the NBA Finals, that, that's that's where I'm at right now. Because I think in the playoffs, I think Luca is going to be tough to guard. He already is. I think if you know when you spreading spreading them teams out and and Dallas knocking those shots down, you got Kyrie in the clutch. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and just, I'm gonna go ahead and put it out there. I got the Dallas Mavericks. In the Western Conference Finals, okay. Now, they, granted, they lost tonight, 
Um, good game by the Warriors. The Warriors definitely showed some some championship uh, pedigree in, in tonight's win, um, which which I expect from them. But at the end of the day, though, I mean, can the Warriors flip the switch in the playoffs? Yes, I think they can. I mean, they're they're four time champions. Of course, the regular season might bore them a little bit. I know when the playoffs get there, I don't think there's you know they're gonna have the same issues that they're having. But I do see Dallas as being a matchup problem for them. I definitely do. Because Kyrie has been known to, to give it to Steph Curry. So, I mean, I, I do see Dallas as being a potential problem for the Golden State Warriors. Um, but nonetheless, though, good win by the Warriors. We'll see if they can continue to you know stack some wins on the road and see what happens moving forward and see what their playoff position is. Um, the Mavericks got to get Kyrie healthy and see where they're at. But I, I, I'm not worried about the Mavericks. I'm not. So um, let's kind of get into the John Morant return. He came off the bench tonight uh, in the Grizzlies, 130-125 to 125 win against the Rockets. I believe the Rockets were the perfect team for Jaw to come back against. I mean, we all know the Rockets aren't that good of a basketball team. Um, Jaw did finish with 17 points, five assists. Uh, four rebounds in his return. Um, and, you know, listen, the Grizzlies are, are a tough team. Jaron Jackson with 37 points, 10 rebounds. I mean, you know, he he was going crazy. But Jaw looked like Jaw normally looks. He was out there being his energetic and enthusiastic self, dancing after the game. Uh, T. Morant showed up um, with a redemption hoodie on. You know, he looked like he... You know what I mean? They looking for redemption. I mean, yeah, that, I guess that's what the hoodie meant. So I feel like the Grizzlies are going to be a very dangerous team moving forward. If Jaw is on the mission, like I think he's going to be on the mission, that's going to be a very dangerous team moving forward. So, but, you know, hey, man, I'm glad to see Jaw back on the court. I'm sure we're all glad to see Jaw back on the court. And... You know, we hope he can, you know what I mean, stay situated and keep his mental health and, and you know, his stress, dealing with stress the way he was talking about. Hopefully he can continue to man- manage that moving forward. Um, The big soundbite of the day, I'm not going to play it, but, I mean, of course we've all seen it, was Big Perk talking about um, if he was the New Orleans Pelicans, he would potentially trade Zion Williamson because he he's not available. So the irony of Big Perk making that statement today and then the Pelicans going out there and saying that Zion, um, he's basically been cleared to do on-court activities, but he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks from the hamstring strain that has kept him out since January 2nd. And the two-week reevaluation will be April 5th with the Pelicans having just three regular season games remaining from that point on. The Pelicans are definitely still in the playoffs. Um, so, you know, if they can get Zion back, that definitely makes them strong. With Zion, they were the number one team in the West. So uh, Coach Willie Green said he can't confirm that he'll be back or not, but they're going to see. So, I mean, it's extremely positive for him and our team. And it's been another one of those years that he starts off well, makes an all-star game, and it's been difficult navigating injuries. It's part of the game, but it's definitely been tough. So I'm sure he's relieved to start to feel normal again being on the floor. That's coming from Coach Willie Green, 
from the New Orleans Pelicans. Of course, you know, they definitely want to get Zion back on the court. You know, with them on the court, that's an extra basically 25 to 27 points. So um, I like their chances in the playoffs with the healthy Zion. Uh, currently, right now, the Suns are playing the Lakers uh, in L.A. This is we we doing this live right now. It's 88-84, uh, end of the third quarter. Lakers are up. We'll see. We might have an update by the end of this by the end of this episode on that game. But um, yeah, the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers need as many wins as they can get. They're basically on the cusp of making the playoffs. Not sure, you know, when LeBron is coming back. Hopefully it's gonna be before the uh before the season ends. And we'll just kinda of see what happens with that, man. But uh the Lakers, they definitely need all the wins that they can get. Literally, all the wins that they can get. Um, kinda of moving on from the from the uh NBA. We're gonna get into the sweet sixteen. And what games we have coming up with that right now. Um, Sweet 16 is tomorrow, so let me go ahead and, and give y'all my picks for who I got coming out of the Sweet 16. Uh, Michigan State, Kansas State. I have, I got Michigan State winning that game. I feel I feel like it's Michigan State's year. Um, A.J. Hogger. Definitely their key player, 12.5 points per game, 5.9 assists, 80% from the free throw line. Uh, he definitely takes over when they need him to take over. Um, they've been playing solid basketball. Of course, you can definitely not count out um, Tyson Walker, the point guard. He's definitely another major factor. Um, but I, I like Michigan State, man. Uh, Marquise Noel for Kansas State, he's been balling. He's the reason why Kansas State is where they are right now. 17 points a game, 7.8 assists, 35% from three. He's been balling. So, I, you know, I think it's going to be a good game. But I do have Michigan State um, slowing the game down, making it a defensive game, and coming out with the win. Tom Enzo does it again. That, that's, that's where I'm at with them. Uh, Arkansas, UConn. I'm kind of in a toss-up with this game right now. I'm really in a toss-up. I I'm I'm not sure, man. I am not sure who I have. Devontae Davis for Arkansas. Of course, you know he bought out last game. 21 points in the second half, finished, I think, with 24. Uh he's 11.1 points, 4.4 rebounds, 42% from the field on the season. He's the he's the uh engine that makes Arkansas go. I like them. Um, Adama Sanango from UConn, 17.3 points per game, 60% from the field, 7.5 rebounds. I mean, if he can dominate down low, I like UConn. But I feel like Arkansas is going to make them go up and down the court if that happens. And the score is, let's see, above maybe 65 points. I like Arkansas. So if it's a low scoring game, I like I like UConn, but for some reason I feel like they're gonna make a Sonongo run. And if that's the case, I got Arkansas winning that game. Uh FAU and Tennessee. Um, I clearly got Tennessee in that game. It's not like not even close. Tennessee is a grown man team. Um 
Vescovi, who's Tennessee's shooting guard, 12.7 points per game, 4.6 rebounds, 3.1 assists, 37% from three. He's a savvy veteran out there. Uh, I just feel like, I mean, for Florida Atlantic, listen, they had a good run. I, I'm taking nothing against them, but there's no way that they beat the grown men that are on Tennessee's team. I just don't see it happening. So I got Tennessee actually in a landslide in that game, like literally blowing them out, probably winning by like 15 to 20 points, which in the tournament is a blowout. Um, the game of the day tomorrow, though, is UCLA-Gonzaga. Man, and I've had a tough time deciding on this game here, but I'm going to I'm gonna go with – I'm going to go with UCLA, man. I'm going to go with UCLA, um, Tiger Campbell – Hawkes, Jaime Hawkes, I'm uh, Adam Bona. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with them. Amari Bailey. I I just feel like Campbell, Hawkes. They're veterans. They know how to win in in, in the tournament. Uh, Tiger Campbell, thirteen point four points per game, four point nine assists, uh, one point six turnovers per game on the year. He plays almost the whole game and to have the ball in his hands that much and barely turn it over. Is a key factor, eighty six percent from the free throw line. So down the you know down the stretch, you can't really foul him. He's gonna make his free throws, and I I just like them. I like they're a veteran team. They've been here before. They they've done that. Uh, Drew Timmy, of course, for Gonzaga, definitely you know one of the better better players. I mean, it's for great college player. Drew Timmy, great college player, twenty one points a game, seven point three rebounds, sixty two percent from the field. He'll re, he'll go down as a great college basketball player. I don't know what he does at the next level, but in regards to college basketball, Drew Timmy's name will be in the record books as being a great college basketball player. But I like I like UCLA's experience at the guard position. Uh, Nolan Hickman, you know, from, from the Zags, and the rest of their guards, they're kind of young. Um, they're not really battle-tested. But I, I feel like this is going to be... Th- this game can go either way, Honestly. I would not be surprised if Gonzaga won, but I got UCLA. I feel like it's definitely going to go down to the wire, like a last possession type of game. So uh, that's tomorrow. So we got what? Um, Friday's games, Alabama and San Diego State. I like Alabama. Of course, you know, Brandon Miller, 19 points a game. Um, you know what he's going to do. But the the person that makes them go is... Uh, Javon Quinterly, 8.7 points per game, 3.6 assists, 40% field goals, 35% from three. He's definitely the, the key for, for Alabama. Um, in regards to San Diego State, they go 10 deep. The question is going to be, can they score with Alabama? Alabama, I mean, you know, they know how to score the basketball. They can hit threes. You know, they can get out in transition. The one thing about San Diego State, they are a very good defensive team. So the problem with that is going to be, can they put the ball in the hole? And if they can, they have a chance. If they can't, I, 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 they're going to have a problem against Alabama. So I got Alabama winning that game in a close game, probably by maybe five to seven points. I got Alabama winning that game, but I, but I do like Bama. Um. Yeah, I like Bama. I'm going to roll with it, man. Don't don't be surprised if San Diego State uh, puts some game pressure on them and makes it kind of close, though.
So, next game on Friday, we got Miami and Houston. And listen, I, I had Houston actually going all the way to the Final Four. But after I seen what Miami did to Indiana and the way Isaiah Wong played 27 points, you know, on the year, Isaiah Wong, 16 points a game, 4.4 rebounds, 3.3 assists, 44% from the field, 38% from three, 84% from the free throw line. He's a veteran player. They got a veteran team. Um, You know, the, with Sasser, of course, for Houston, him being hurt, I mean, we know Sasser's a baller, 16.9 points per game, 44%. From the field, 38% from three, 85% from the free throw line. But he's not 100% healthy. And I feel like that's going to be the factor. With him not being 100% healthy, I got Miami advancing. Uh, shout out to the ACC. I got Miami advancing. Um, Creighton and Princeton, I got Creighton in the lane slot. I mean, Princeton, you've had a good run. I take nothing you know, nothing from you. Uh, but I think I think your slippers come off. Um Cinderella's going home against Creighton, another Big East team um, that is, yeah, another Big East team that's definitely in the tournament that's, you know, playing very good. But I have them moving forward. And in the last game of the Sweet 16, Xavier and Texas, I have Xavier, another Big East team. Um, listen, I, it's, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a very tough game. Very tough game for Xavier. But Soleil, boom, uh, 16.5 points per game, 4.4 rebounds, 4.3 assists, 44% from the field. He's the point guard for Xavier. He's going to put them in position to make plays. I have no doubt in my mind that Xavier can make enough shots to beat Texas, who sometimes struggles to score. So, I mean, Delon Disu. Listen, last game, 28 points for Texas. He averages 9.1 a game, 61% from the field, 1.3 blocks. I feel like they get him in foul trouble. And then without that low post presence for Texas, they're going to have a hard time scoring. So I do like uh, Xavier in that in that matchup right there. And, yeah, those are, those are my Sweet 16 picks. So we'll see what happens moving forward with the Sweet 16. But those are the teams that I like. And I can't wait to watch the games, man. I, I can't wait to watch the games. You know, as further and further in the tournament it gets, the more intense the games get. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And listen, if, if you're not tuned in, I don't know what you're doing. It's March Madness. It's still March Madness. I know the first round and the second round everybody loves because that's where all the action happens at. But now we get into the, you know, the, the best of the best. So any games that are not close, I'll be highly surprised because right now it's all about matchups. Um, you know, who can impose each other's, you know, style, who can impose their style onto the other team. And, yeah, that's that's where it's at right now, man. So we're going to kind of get out of that. Um do we have, do I have any more sports that I kind of want to get into? Um, DeAndre Hopkins, yeah. So let's let's do some football real fast. DeAndre Hopkins, right now, what is going on here? DeAndre Hopkins, Arizona's trying to get rid of him. They're asking for a second round pick. They don't feel like they're going to be able to get the second round pick for him. Um, 
I guess the pick that the range for that is going to be second through the, I mean third through fifth round. Uh, draft pick is what they're looking at right now and what they potentially can get for DeAndre Hopkins. I don't see why DeAndre Hopkins doesn't fetch a first round, first round draft pick. He is first round draft pick talent. If you're going to make a trade for DeAndre Hopkins, you know what you're getting. You're probably getting a hundred, hundred catch receiver, a thousand yards, maybe even 1200 yards. And I hate to be the one to say this, but Baltimore if you're not on the phone with Arizona right now, you have lost your mind. You have lost your mind. Baltimore, you should be on the first thing smoking down to DeAndre Hopkins' house to get him out there. You should take Lamar Jackson with you and convince him to come on up there to Baltimore. That That's exactly what you should be doing. If you're not doing that, I don't really know what to say. I don't know what's wrong with y'all, Baltimore. I'm not understanding why you're not trying to put Lamar Jackson in the best position to succeed. But listen, you're, you should be the first people on the phone for DeAndre Hopkins. Okay? I don't really want to get into any more Lamar Jackson talk. But uh, if I'm Baltimore, I'm definitely on the phone with, with Arizona. To try to make that happen, you know, to just to just to make just to, and I'm doing that just for the simple fact to prove to Lamar Jackson that I want to build around you. I want to get a long term deal done. Signing DeAndre Hopkins, trading for DeAndre Hopkins proves that you want to get a long term deal done with Lamar Jackson. So if you're not doing that, Baltimore, I don't I don't really know what else to say, man, about that. So we getting we getting off of. The sports for now. Um, and that, let's let's kind of get into this. Um, we're gonna stay. We're gonna. We got one more sports story that we're going. We're gonna talk about. It involves uh, a Boston radio host who appears to use an ethnic slur involving ESPN's Mina Kimes. Um, this is coming from the New York Post, and. Apparently, a sports talk radio shows radio host in Boston is in hot water after appearing to invoke a racial slur about ESPN personality Mina Kimes. Listen, we all love Mina Kimes. Um, we'll take it. We're not tolerating any slander towards Mina Kimes at all. She is a professional, and what she does, she does not deserve to be have. She doesn't deserve to be in this story at all. Um, but in the conversation on the Greg Hill show about their five favorite nips. Uh, I have no idea what nips is. Show personality Courtney Cox suggested the prompt with Boston City Councilor Ricardo Arroyo seeking to outlaw the small bottles of alcohol in the city because of how frequently they're littered. Chris Curtis interjected Mina Kimes. Apparently, nip is an ethnic slur against Japanese people referring to shortened versions of of Nippon, which is the Japanese name for the country. Um, okay. See, I I don't really know. I know that this dude is in trouble for saying this. Um, it does not appear that uh, he should have said this. And apparently, um, they have responded in the corporate claims that he meant to say Mila Kunis, 
not Mina Kimes. Uh, ESPN responded to the incident, telling the Globe there is no place for these type of hateful comments, which were uncalled for and extremely offensive. Uh, listen, Mina Kimes, you know, like I said, we love Mina. We, you know, she's on NFL Live. She knows her sports. She is highly intelligent, and and she, you know, she's all. But she also understands that you know what I mean. People say stuff about her all the time, and she always has to defend herself. So what she did was change her Twitter page, uh, her Twitter, um, her Twitter profile pic to Mila Kunis. So she just basically she's not she's not rolling with the dude saying that he meant to say Mila Kunis instead of Mina Kimes. So um, yeah, man, we you know we got me we got Mina's back in this situation. We definitely rolling with her, and yeah, man, there's there's no place in in you know in the sports world for anything like that. So shout out to Mina Kimes, man. We rolling with you. We definitely rocking with you in that situation for sure. But um. That's the last sports story we're going to get into. We already a half hour into this episode, man. I swear these episodes be going so fast. Um, so let's get into this no no, man. We're gonna get into this no no. And this no no, this is this is a this is a bougie no no. Okay, it's a very bougie no no. So, um, there's a story. This is coming from CNN. Romy Crockett Mars. The 16-year-old daughter of, of writer and director Sophia Coppola and her husband Phoenix, lead singer Thomas Mars, says she was grounded for doing something that she is not allowed to do. And apparently, what she did, um, what she did is she tried to charter a helicopter from New York to Maryland on her dad's credit card because she wanted to have dinner with her camp friend. All right, listen here, man. That is that is if that ain't a bougie no no, I don't know what else is, man. Like we've all been in trouble before. We've all, you know, we've all been grounded. Uh we've all been um put on punishment for one thing or the other. But it's always been for maybe coming home too late or not doing your homework or, uh, you know what I mean, things of that nature. It's never been for getting a chartered helicopter from one city to the next city. Like, what type of bougie no-no is is this going on, man? And how this is news, I'll never know because, I mean, you know, whatever. But everything finds its way into the news nowadays. But if this ain't a bougie no-no, I don't know what is. Listen, man, usually kids get in trouble for the simple stuff. Never a charter helicopter. Now, I give her credit, man. She, You know what I mean? If you want to get in trouble, you might as well go big or go home. So I, I, I'll give her credit for that. You know what I mean? But, man, come on, man. Really? Like, that's that's what you're doing? You were chartering helicopters? I don't know how much money this family got, but... If you got a credit card that can charge, you know, that can afford a, a private helicopter, you got a lot of money. You have got a lot of money. So Romy Croquette Mars, um, this this <laughs> listen, you gotta you got I mean you got some you got some gall to be doing that. You've got some gall to be doing that. And 
this no-no is for you. Listen, I, I don't think my daughter would even try nothing like that. First of all, we can't afford nothing like that. But, uh, yeah, man, I hope she would never try nothing like that, even if I did have money to afford that. Because if you want to see your friend, man, we can make arrangements for you to see your friend. You do not need to, you do not need a helicopter to see your friend, man. Say, Romy Croquette, Mar- Croquette Mars, this no-no is for you, and this, this is a bougie no-no for you, man. It's a bougie no no, man. This a that's a bougie no no, man. I should have my pinky up while I was giving that no no. That's how bougie that no no was. But uh yeah, man, let's kinda let's kinda you know, we're gonna transition out of this and, and get into something a little bit deeper, man. Um the other day on the Breakfast Club yeah, Elliot Connie on there, um, advocate for mental health. And they had a conversation that was about just, you know, therapy, parental discipline, conversations, and just honesty. And there was a soundbite that I kind of wanted to talk about. Uh, and I really wanted to talk about this yesterday, but I didn't get around to it. But um, I'm going to play this soundbite, and I kind of want to talk about this, this you know, because the mental health, I mean, shout out to Charlemagne as usual, uh, for always being at the forefront of this mental health and investing in your mental health uh, conversation. But I kind of want to talk about this soundbite right here in regards to anxiety, um, being as, you know, I'm one of those people with, you know, some sort of, some form of anxiety. But let, let's play this soundbite here from Elliot Connie. This goes up. Just like that. Let's end on what you told me a while ago about anxiety and faith. You can't have both. Like, if you believe that God's got you, that means the only things that will happen are things that God intended for you to experience. And so you you can't have faith and anxiety because anxiety is fear-based. So if I believe very strongly like, like God's got me, that means if I'm going through something hard, I'm going through that hard thing for a reason. So there's no reason to, I just have to trust everything. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I would say, I would end by saying like, if you can figure out a way to trust every experience, you're going through all of these things for a reason and be grateful for everything, like everything. You are, you are untouchable emotionally. Like you are just an indestructible force when you're just grateful for everything. Not just grateful for the good things, not just grateful for the profound things, but I mean like grateful for... So let, let's, kind of, let's talk about it, man. Let's talk about about what he just said in regards to um, fear-based anxiety, uh, trusting God in in the plan that he has for you, and having faith. Um, and another thing he says, it's another, I, I, didn't, I didn't play this song, but, but another thing he talks about is healthy anxiety uh, in regards to, you know what I mean, if you care about somebody, you're going to be worried about them, and, and that anxiety is okay to have. But let's let's get into this fear-based and faith anxiety. You are supposed to, um, you know, as what he said is, is you know, trust everything and and be grateful for everything that happens, and just kind of like live in a non-fear manner. Now, I guess my question 
revolves around what if you do that and something happens that kind of uh kind of I'm trying to think of the word that I'm looking for. What if you do what if you do do that and you put your faith in God and what happens is supposed to be for you and something happens that you didn't want to happen and it scarred you very bad. So now your trust in in God and and your trust in in and having faith and and things like that now you know that's that's scarred. And now you're and now you're you're scarred. So then, therefore, your anxiety is then justified, and that's kind of that's kind of where I'm kind of coming at in regards to that. Listen, I I do understand that you are supposed to put your faith in God and the things happening, and anxiety is a fear based um, diagnosis, and of course you you know you're worrying about the the worst things when you you know have anxiety. You know what I mean? But if if something has happened to you that has no longer made you trust what is going to happen, then how do you how do you combat that? You know what I mean? He goes on to say that, you know, do you need pills for that? Uh and he goes on to say, No, you just need conversation. Um, conversation kind of get you through, you know, what you're doing. So um, but yeah, but how how do you combat that? That would be my question to Elliot Connie. How do you combat that if your faith has already been abused and used and you no longer can kind of function with that same faith that you had before, whatever happened to you happened. So at that point now, you are kind of not always living in fear, but in certain situations, they do, they do, you know, give you a high level of stress and anxiety. And I just think it's like a, you know, a fine line in, in that situation, man. Um, as far as healthy anxiety, yeah, healthy anxiety is a good thing to have. I mean, if you're worried about, you know, family members and, and things of that nature, nothing wrong with that is, is what he says. And and that's, that's all understandable. Um, as a parent, you, you know, you, you, you're going to have healthy anxiety, uh, as someone that has a significant other, you're going to have healthy anxiety. So those are all things that, that are definitely, you know, at the, uh, at the forefront of healthy anxiety. But in regards to the anxiety and faith, a comment that he just made, I mean, I, I understand it. But there are others. There are other circumstances that can easily cause you to not feel the same, um, and have your faith altered. And yeah, man, I I don't know, man. I, I it's hard for me to kind of explain this, explain what I'm saying without going into like clear cut detail in regards to you know why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. But just know that people that have, you know, that type of anxiety, there's a reason for it. It's not something that they're, you know, that, that they can't, um, it's not something that they can just easily just make go away. Of course, they don't want to have that that type of feeling and that type of anxiety, but there's nothing they can do about it. That's just how it is. You know what I mean? That's just how it is. There's nothing that they can do about it. 
Do they want to do something about it? Of course they do. But, you know, you just kind of, I don't know, man, you just get into a situation and and something just, you know, alt, completely alters your faith. Something completely alters your faith, man. And, uh, yeah, man, so, I mean, if you haven't watched that Breakfast Club interview, definitely go ahead and watch it if you haven't any type of, um, you know, situations with with uh, any type of mental health problems, that interview is definitely a good interview to tap into. And, and, and there's a lot of jewels in that interview. A lot of jewels, man. So definitely go ahead and check that out. But I would, I would like to kind of ask that question, though, in regards to what happens when your faith is altered. What do you, where do you go from there? Okay, how do you regain that faith and that trust um, that you once had? You know what I mean? How do you how do you get that back? So that that would be my question for that, man. So um, anybody listening, got any answers for that, man? Feel free to definitely comment. Uh, let me know, but you know, let me know if you got some ideas uh, about that. Um, yeah, man. But I I definitely wanted to talk about that. Uh, the other day on the episode, but um, I wasn't fully ready to. So I know I kind of, I guess I'm kind of a little discreet in in how I'm explaining this, but, you know, there's reasons for that. So um, bear with me. But uh, yeah, man, so we, we, you know, shout out to uh, Charlemagne, you know what I mean, once again for uh, spearheading that conversation and the mental health um, aspect and, he definitely got he got the podcast convention coming up, so definitely tap in with Charlemagne, man. He always got something going on. Uh, let's kind of transition over to um, what's going on with Nipsey and Puma, and here's a soundbite from Black Sam talking about what Puma does for for Nipsey um, and and uh, his kids and the trust fund and everything. So this this is from the Earn Your Leisure podcast right here. Actually, our collab is because of hustle. Like I say, hustle, hustle, hustle went and, and, and figured it out for himself. And always, you know, within that deal, he told him, listen, I appreciate it, but within my deal, you need to write in once a year, you have to do a collab with my clothing brand, mm-hmm. with my team, Marathon Clothing. And so he got that inked into his first deal. And so because of that, you know, that, that, was, that was the reason of our collab with Puma. And then, you know, after everything, um, they came back to the table and made sure the kids were set up straight. It had nothing to do with um, sales of clothes or or the the, the, um, the success of the capsules. Just off the top, every year they hitting the kids in their trust fund. They they, they, they did it right for hustle, and uh, they allowed us to also do the collabs and do it the way we want to do it. It's not about like selling a lot of units. Come on, just just for that just for that reason right there. We should all be buying Puma, man. If you got love for Nipsey, like, you know what I mean, like a lot of us do, I mean, we should be supporting Puma, the Puma brand. We should definitely be supporting the Puma brand. Shout out to Puma for, for even doing that. Um, You know, putting the trust fund, putting the money in, in the Hustles Kids Trust Fund. There's not a lot of people that would be doing that. And, I mean, that's just a, that's just an honorable thing to do. That's a very honorable thing to do, um, and I and for me for sure, I'm gonna definitely go get me some Puma gear. 
You know what I mean? I'm going to go get me some Puma gear for, for fact. Matter of fact, let's clap it up for Puma, man. Let's clap it up for Puma. Puma Kid Club. I'm going to go get me some Puma gear, man. ASAP. You know what I mean? But I, I, I felt it was, you know, that was an important uh, sound bite that I wanted to play. Um, and, you know, Nipsey, of course, is, is untimely, you know, untimely death that he had. Um, just a, you know, very unfortunate situation. And, um, yeah, man, just, just a very unfortunate situation. But it's good to know that, you know what I mean, the brands that he was working with are still honoring that commitment. And taking care of his kids, man. You know what I mean? So that's, yeah, man, shout out to Puma. But And speaking of Puma, Angela Yee had on a dope Puma outfit today with some dope Puma shoes. And, yeah, man, you know what I mean? I'm going to definitely go get me some Puma gear, man. Puma and Marathon. So if you ain't if you ain't tapped into that, definitely tap in, man. You know what I mean? Help help and help Nipsey out. Help Lauren London out. Um always, man. Always. Nothing but love to both of them, man. For sure. Nothing but love for both of them. Um, let's get into uh what's going on in Flint, Michigan. And the judge gives final approval of $600 million Flint water settlement. Uh, a Genesis, Genesee County judge approved the settlement, making it the biggest civil settlement in Michigan history. Uh, more than $626 million will be awarded. $600 million from the state, $20 million from the city of Flint, $5 million from McLaren Regional Medical Center, and 1.2 million, 1.25 million from road professional services. Uh, officials say about 80% of the settlement would go to claims of children who were minors when initially exposed to the Flint water, with 2% for special education services and 18% for claims of adults and property damages. Additionally, 1% would be for business losses. And the final approval from Chief Judge David Newblatt comes more than one year after the U.S. District Court approved the settlement. Um, U.S. District Judge Judith preliminary approved it in January 2021, giving her final approval in November 2021. Uh, this historic settlement cannot undo the unimaginable hardship and heartbreaking health effects these family and children in Flint have endured. Um, but this ruling provides family with much-needed compensation for the injuries they have suffered. And I'm proud of my team's tireless work on behalf of the people of Flint. That's coming from Attorney General Dana Nessel and a statement from them. Um, and if you're not too familiar with what's going on, uh, an engineering firm accused of having some responsibility for Flint's lead contaminated water nearly 10 years ago, is who settled this lawsuit. So, it, you know, listen, man, Flint ain't had clean water for a long time. It's finally good to see that they got that taken care of. Um, the people in the city of Flint are definitely going to be, um, it appears to be well compensated. Um, definitely not going to make up for what happened or any effects, you know, that have been caused from this, this whole situation. But it's, it's good to see that there's some closure uh, to what's going on. So it's good to see that. 
And um, yeah, man, shout out to to the people of Flint and and for doing the right thing, man. For for doing the right thing and, and just kind of taking care of that situation. So, um, yeah, and that's coming from CBSNews.com. Uh, that's where I got that from, just as a just as a site my source type of thing. Uh, so listen, man, we got about what ten minutes, eleven minutes left, <laughs> and I gotta get into it, man. I gotta get into this snowfall episode. Because I am angry. I am very, very angry, man. At the end of the last Snowfall episode, Franklin had killed Teddy's dad. I don't know if I recapped that on here. Maybe I didn't. But if I didn't, this is a spoiler alert. So let's unpack this whole situation. Uh, Franklin had killed Teddy's dad. He wants his money. We obviously know that. You know what I mean? He took the money from Jerome and Louis. So there's beef with, with that whole situation. But ultimately, Franklin wants his money back from Teddy. Okay. In an attempt to get his money back from Teddy, he shoots Teddy's dad. And of course, you know, everything's it's now now everything is turned all the way up. Teddy's a dangerous man. We all know that. Um so on tonight's episode, uh and, and and let me let me another small recap from from the last episode. Jerome went to go see his buddy at at a you know car dealership, and there was somebody riding around. And Jerome is basically he's spooked, man. He th- he feels like somebody's trying to kill him. So he's you know what I mean. He's basically kind of paranoid. Uh, he had to get away from his friend at the car dealership because his friend was like, "Listen, man, you can't be here, man. You are dangerous, and I gotta go home tonight." Is what he specifically said to Jerome. I got people to go home to, man. You can't be around here. So fast forward to this episode right here. Jerome finally comes home. He's drunk. Uh, He's, you know, goes to see Louie, who I blame for everything, for real, for real. He goes to see Louie, tells Louie that he's done. He wants out. Uh, And, you know what I mean? She don't want to, she don't want to hear Jerome. Jerome says, listen, if you don't want to do it for no other reason, then to get out, at least do it for the simple fact that you love me. I felt that, Jerome. I felt that, Unc. Oh, man, I felt it, man. It hurt, man. It hurt. It definitely hurt. You know what I mean? Because all he wants to do out, he don't want to beef no more. He don't want to worry about looking over his shoulder. He don't want to worry about nothing. He, he don't want to worry about none of that. All he wanted to do was sell speakers, man. That's all Unc wanted to do. Take care of his family now. Now you know what I mean. Now he got to watch his back everywhere he's going. He got his own family coming after him. He you know he got to worry about Teddy. He can't go nowhere. It's hot in the streets for um. And Louis is sitting up on her on her pedestal. Without a worry in the world. So Kane is out here looking for Louis and Jerome, and Franklin out here looking for Louis and Jerome. I mean, just everybody looking for Jerome, man. Everybody looking for Unc, man. And Louis, you know what I mean? Unc's the one that's always out here. Louis don't really go outside like that. And they looking for Brunkley, the, the cop, the, the crooked cop. They looking for him, too. Um. And, you know, Louis, Louis goes on. This is definitely a, this is a heavy spoiler alert. Heavy. 
Louis goes on to apologize, you know what I mean, to Jerome for getting him in this whole mess. And then has the audacity to say that I want I want people to notice me. Nobody talks to me. Every time we go do a business deal, they talk to you. Wait a minute. What, Louis? Come on, man. You are rich. You are a millionaire. Millionaire times 10. And you worried about when people go do deals, they don't talk to you. They talk to Jerome? Man, listen here, man. Listen here, man. I, I, listen, I understand, man. People want their respect. You know what I mean? I, I completely understand that. I, I'm not opposed to, you know what I mean, wanting your wanting your self-worth, is which, which the words that she used, wanting your self-worth to be of high value. I, I, I completely understand that. But in this situation right here, it's a little different, man. You're talking about life or death right now. It's a little different, man. You're not talking about self-worth at a nine-to-five job. You're talking about self-worth in, 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 the, in the street game where it doesn't end good for most people. And right now, you can get out on top. You can, you, can, you can make a clean getaway and get out on top, man. And and that's what Jerome said, man. I'm going to Jamaica, man. I don't even want to be here no more. I don't want to deal with none of this. And you still want to mess around with Teddy. And, oh, man, come on, man. Come on, Louie. You the reason why Unc is in this mess to begin with. Um, We're going to further get into Unc. Back to Franklin. Franklin's trying to get Teddy. He meets with Oso. Promises Oso he'll give him a million dollars if he can bring him Teddy. Um, Oso, like, listen, I could do it. But, you know what I mean? I got to be guaranteed the money. Okay, understandable. Franklin has went and told Leon, went and told Sissy um, about what happened with Teddy. And basically, you know what I mean? Teddy's coming for him. So he specifically says that, you know what I mean? He's looking for us. This is bad that we're looking for him now. And Teddy Teddy wants to get Franklin, man. Teddy wants to get Franklin. So that that's that's kind of where we at right now. We had a whole war. Um now this is where the, the, the kind of a twist comes into this whole situation. Is Kane. Kane is the is the he's the, the person that's kind of in the mix of all this. Kane wants Louis and Jerome. Because they shot Kane. Kane puts, you know what I mean, puts out a look. He puts some hitters out to find Louie. And they're sitting at Louie's ranch. They finally get to Louie. They bring Louie back to Kane. They got they got Louie tied up. You know what I mean? He's burning her with, with a uh, with a stake or whatever they use to burn cows with. Um, and, and, you know what I mean, Louie's about to suffer. You know what I mean? Franklin comes in there. He could have saved Louie. He didn't. He told Louis, just give up Bunkley and everything will be fine. And and you might be able to get out of this, man. She doesn't want to do it. Franklin walks away. He goes and tells Jerome. Um, and now we got Franklin and Jerome on the same side going to get Louis. I'm like, yes, this is what we want. This is what we want. We want Franklin and Unc back on the same team. Okay, they going to say, going to get it, going to get Louis, and it's going to be all good. After that, they're going to team up, and they're going to, you know what I mean, get Louie. They're going to team up. They're going to go get Teddy. That's what I'm thinking. Boy, was I wrong, man. Boy, was I ever so wrong. They go in there and try to get try to get Louie. Franklin sneaks, you know what I mean, sneaks Jerome in there. Him, Leon, they go up in there, and, you know what I mean, they kill everybody in there, and then Kane gets the drop on Louie. Kane gets Louie. Oh, this is this it's it's just sad. I'm watching it right now. It's just the whole situation just got me hot. 
Kane gets Kane gets the drop on Louie. And next thing you know, it's Kane and the standoff with Unk. And oh man, he, he wanted to save Louie so bad, man. If he'd have put the gun down, Kane would have shot him. So he he shoots at Kane. Kane shoots back at Unk. Unk hits him. Unk gets hit in the chest twice, and Unk dies, man. Oh, my goodness. Unk dies, man. Come on, man. Jerome dies in the episode, man. Jerome dies in the episode, and I, I just don't believe it. I, I don't, you know what I mean? And then I see the previews for next week, and Louis has the audacity to blame Franklin. I cannot believe it, man. And I knew it. It was inevitable that she was going to get Unk killed, and it finally happened, man. Listen, Amin Joseph, you played you played Jerome better than anybody could have ever played Jerome, man. You know what I mean? Hell of an acting job. Uh, character development with Jerome was on point from the first season till till now, and it's it's sad that you ain't gonna see this all the way through, and you had an untimely demise all because of your woman, man. And it just hurts, man. And and on that note, man, I'm getting out of here, man. Uh, R.I.P. Jerome Unk. Um, yeah, and I'm getting out of here, man. I'm just upset, man. If you haven't tuned in, go watch the episode uh, on FX. And we out of here, man. You got it, episode 46, man. We out of here, man. Oh, man. This is for Unk, man. This jam is for Unk right here, man. You love you love Louie too much, man. She cost you your life. Franklin, you had a chance to kill Louie too, man. You could have, you could have, you could have um, saved Unk's life if you'd have killed Louie. We don't have to worry about this, man. Louie better catch a bullet by the end of the season, though. It didn't have to come to that, man. It did not have to come to that, man. What they say is true. Oh, Unk, man. Dang, it hurts, bro. That was supposed to be Louie, man. I like Kane the character, man. But Kane, come on, man. You wasn't supposed to do that, man. But now Kane did too, man. You got it, episode 46. We out of here. Jill.